I am the rook. You are the fire and I burn like a book. Don't know how this one ends till I die. And the honest part of reliable is the lie. The greater the power, the more the abuse. You are the hand, I worship the bruise. If romance is dead, I guess I'm a necrophiliac. But every god needs a sacrifice. I am the cross and you are the Christ. So I drink. Beep, beep, children. This is Mother's Mayhem, an extreme horror podcast. Christina is otherwise engaged this weekend. So I have another very special guest co-host with me. This is Rachel Schumer. <laughs> Rachel, welcome to the shit show. <laughs> I'm super happy to be in the shit show. And it's already a shit show. <laughs> it is, just so you all know. Things are really super going super great for us so far. Thank you for asking. And so we expect this to just be um to go yeah. incredibly well <laughs> we've had no bad omens or anything of the sort so far at all <laughs> no bad omens no wow and it just keeps getting better and better <laughs> marion did not just spill an entire drink into her bedside cabinet no <laughs> No, I didn't. <laughs> I currently have all the contents in my bedside drawer on the floor on a paper uh-huh. towel. <laughs> well, my friend, you may have seen Rachel on TikTok and Instagram as at Jim and Genres, but if you are a member of our mom Facebook group, you already know our dear Rachel because she was one of our earliest super fans. And because she showed us even the slightest little modicum of affection, we immediately absorbed her into our boss crew <laughs> and forced her to be our group admin. Rachel can totally speak to why uh, you should never make eye contact with either myself or Christina because this is what we should do. We're like, friend, friend, <laughs> is it, is it friend? <laughs> it's kind of, like that's a little bit how it went. I was like watching all the stuff, commenting on YouTube. And then also I was like, Hey, do you want to be part of this? And I'm like, yeah. Also. Yeah, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I remember the first time we messaged, you were like, I can't believe I'm talking to you. And I was like, why? <laughs> You're weird. <laughs> I'm just some lady. <laughs> but, but you're not, not to the, like, not to those of us in the community. See, that's funny to me. But I say the same thing to the authors because the authors that we talk to, they're like, well, I'm just the, a person. And I was like, mm, you're not like to us. Yeah, you're not. You're like this thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then Rachel got to know the real us and it was like, wow. <laughs> They really are like that. (laughs) 
thought this was just like personas, but holy shit. Dude, I for real, like I thought you, <laughs> I love that that's like your real laugh and you're really like, but I, I thought you were putting that on, but no, you're really just like oh. a genuinely light person. I, I get in trouble for it all the time. It does me no justice. Like my entire life, I've gotten in trouble for this stupid fucking overly <laughs> loud laugh. And there's, I've tried, there's nothing I can do about it. It literally just comes out of me. And most of the time, it's either that I'm overly excited about what it is we're laughing about. And I think it's like the funniest damn thing I'm ever, I've ever heard. Or I'm horrifically anxious. that's why it happens but it has been made of my existence since I was small so (laughs) yay (laughs) well this is a pretty exciting day for me because the incredible Paula Ash is going to be here to sit crooked and talk straight with us and I am a diehard Paula Ash fangirl But when it was established that Christina wasn't going to be available for this one, there was only one person that I could imagine putting in her place for this particular interview. And that was Rachel. Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to let you talk about Paula Ash because I think when you start talking about her, they will understand why you were the first person that I thought of for this one. Okay, so... I, my first introduction to Paula was reading, um, we, we are here to hurt each other. And like instantly it wasn't just like words on a page. Like a lot of horror is like, it's words on a page. And I love that type of horror. Don't get me wrong. Like I read it all the time and I use my imagination. Yeah. Paula writes like her imagination is on the page. It like comes to life. It's like poetry. I don't know. It's like poetry, but in prose. I can't, I can't articulate like how beautifully she writes. And it's about like the most horrible things. (laughs) Yes. it's, It's this crazy dichotomy between like beautiful words and horrendous like imagery. And I love it. Yeah. The, the elegance and the eloquence. And it's just, it's almost lyrical, poetic. She reminds me, she reminds me a lot of Eric Baraka. Like I put them on the shelf together because they are very similar in that stylistic way. And I just, and and I have a way of describing it that I wanted to share with her. So I don't want to like ruin that whole thought, but it's almost like you're walking through one of her dreams, right? Yes. Because the way that they write and the way they put these words down on paper, it feels like a dream. Like there's yes. this, I don't want to call it a fogginess because it's very clear, <laughs> but there's that, it feels like there's that dreamlike veil over everything because yes. of how elegant and eloquent everything is. So oh my god yeah yeah you know who else kind of writes like that that I just have to like shout out Natasha Sinclair oh my god yeah her and Paula and Eric like I seriously like the three of them are like 
it's it's so beautiful. <laughs> oh, I know. And Natasha is well, you know what? The three of them all together, that's the kind of people that they are inside their core too. Like they they literally put I don't know. I may, I might be making assumptions, but it feels like they take a piece of themselves and their personality and they're just like rip it out of their bodies and they like plop it down on the page and they're like, here you go. <laughs> Take it I, or leave it. For real. <laughs> for real. And like I'm gonna say this and it's gonna get me into trouble, but I read um what is the one that Laraka came out with this we can never leave this place. And I didn't love it, but I loved the way he wrote so much that I like instantly went out and bought like a whole bunch more of his books. Cause I was like, this story might not have like resonated with me the way it did with you, but it was so gorgeous that I was like, I need more. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, he also did, we've lost a lot of blood or uh, you've lost a lot of blood this year. His his vibe this year has been a little bit more bizarro, um, like speculative bizarro. And I love bizarro. And I thought that you've lost a lot of blood was fascinating. But at the same time, there were people who were like, that's his best one yet. And I'm like, ah, I, I it was all right. Like it was good. I would never say it was not good because again, amazingly written the format is cool the story was interesting but if I had to put it on scales with we can never leave this place oh, <laughs> the difference because for me we can never leave this place was just like oh oh, oh my god oh my god and now I just <laughs> thought um they were here before us his newest oh. one that's coming out. Oh my god! I read the first. <laughs> I read the first paragraph, and my jaw was on the floor. So the that's first paragraph, and I don't want to give spoilers to y'all, but I'm setting this book up, and what y'all need to say, like, if this doesn't sell you, I don't know what else will. The first line is something like, "I knew." the moment I first met her that I loved her and it's about this creature's connection with this female this girl the creature that is speaking is an insect and the girl is a corpse <gasps> and it talks oh. about how she is its home and its safe place and how it sustains her and it fills them with love and it takes this relationship of this horrible thing that we expect you know insects on a rotting corpse and you're like oh my god that's absolutely disgusting that's gross and then he takes he he humanizes this insect to the point where he, the insect is like but this human who's like who you see de decomposing is like my safe space, my everything, my source of love. And I was just like, holy fucking shit. I'm, <laughs> oh my God. I'm probably, I'm going to have to read that. <laughs> oh my God. I, I put the, I literally put the thing down 
and went straight to my my messages and I was like I just read through the first paragraph and a half and I'm already done I'm done I'm done like what the <laughs> hell that <laughs> so if that doesn't sell you i don't know what will because oh my god and that's just the first paragraph and a half (laughs) y'all but that's just what they do like that's the same with like we are here to hurt each other like i i read the first so the the first story is like a page and a half right and it kind of sets up the whole book Mm -hmm. and i got through that and i literally just sat there with like my mouth open for a hot minute. And I was like, okay, like, where is this going to go? And then I read the next one. And like, I was like, okay, this is going into right now. This is my third, like top book for the year. Like I already have two that I know are going to go in my favorites for for all of the year. This one's going number three. And this one, that one is number two for me and it will not be dislodged. It won't be, it won't. (laughs) I, oh, I found my old TikTok. My TikTok that I did for my very first review on We Are Here to Hurt Each Other. And I forgot that but I hadn't even finished the book. <laughs> I got through half of the book and immediately messaged Paula directly and said, this is the best book I've ever read. And I hadn't even finished it. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I think I messaged you and Christina like a couple stories in and was basically just like, because again, this is another book I picked, another book that I picked up because of you guys, your trouble, seriously. Um, <laughs> I like every, every episode I watch, I'm like taking notes, like, what do I need to go buy now? Literally, like my Amazon cart just fills up as the episode goes on. Like, so my husband would like to thank you for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, well. <laughs> Misery loves company because you watch our YouTube videos. So you see me every episode authors are talking and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> Adding books to my TV. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. But, yeah. I mean, it's totally worth it because then I get to read like, I, I don't know if it's a book I ever would have like picked up on my own because I'm just like, I'm kind of newish to like horror and especially like you know indie horror and whatever and there are just like so many big names out there that it's like I want to read all the Volpies and the Beauregards and the Bercy's and then I don't know but I was really like I'm always looking for like women authors right like I want to read women I want to read I want I just I want to read women like that's who I want to support. And then I, well, you guys had Paula on and then you talked about the book and I was like, all right, I have to read this. Um, and so, you know, I have to thank you guys for that. Cause um, yeah, you guys, like, honestly, I have to thank you guys, you and Christina both so much for like opening my eyes, oh. to, like a whole different, a whole different like genre kind of. And like, understanding like how to really read horror like I know Christina um likes to call herself a cunt canoe um for being so open and like so like people don't know how to read horror and I don't think I did until I started like 
interacting with you guys and watching, you know, uh, watching you guys on YouTube. And then I'm like, oh shit, I am surface level reading this. So because of Christina, I now like deeply read horror. <laughs> yes. Well, there's so much, there's so much more to it. And that's actually something I think both of us wanted to talk to Paula about today because Paula is one of those authors like Eric Chandler, yes. Matthew Cash, Maddie Bobcat. Okay, so y'all, Matthew Cash, you need to go to Amazon, you need to go to Godless, you need to buy everything he has ever written. Because if you want horror that speaks from the human psyche, you need Matthew Cash in your life. One of the best authors out there. I had posted on the group today about my ride or dies and my top three were of course, Eric Paula and Dan Volpe, but I would put Mm. Matthew Cash right at number four, Matthew Cash, Kevin Sweeney and Ash Eric Moore. They round out my top six because Matthew Cash writes from the perspective of someone who has lived that journey through mental health and he has this amazing way of exploring it he's incredible but they they take i feel like that's where real human horror comes from is what's going on inside of our own heads (laughs) which is generated from the real world around us and our environmental upbringing and all that sociological sociocultural stuff that makes us who we are so and they really get in there and so if you're the kind of person who doesn't mind going into that space then these books when you're reading them you're just like oh my god oh my god well and show me a horror fan who doesn't have like a buttload of trauma in their past and like that's why we read it like yes well you know the afterword for we are never we are we are here to hurt each other if you read the afterword for that paula talks about how we live in a world of chaos and horror and some people come to horror for entertainment and other people come to horror for solace yeah and if that ain't the fucking truth because it, it uh, so that it, it, it's just that prime example. Horror is so subjective. We all come to this genre for our own personal, unique, and special reasons. And there is a certain, there's a, a, a tribe of people who are like, just give me the goriest shit you got. I just want to live that surreal, absurd, ridiculous, ultra violent life. And then the rest, and we love it too. But then right. there's those of us, you put those like, <laughs> the ideological horror in yes. front of us and our brains explode we're like holy shit this is the best thing i ever read so it's a beautiful genre because there's something out there for everybody but it makes you yes. feel no matter what you're gonna feel oh god i love it oh like I sometimes love it. sometimes i just want good bloody fun and that's like ash eric Moore. like I Judith. just want to read. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Ash, yes. Ash and Judith Sonnet have become like my go-tos. I love Aaron Beauregard. I love you so much. And I have, <laughs> I own every book that you have published now. I have them all and I love them. 
But right now, if I want bloody good fun, <laughs> yes. I'm immediately going to Ash Airport and Judith Sonnet because. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> well, there's something very unique about Paula, too, because Paula actually is a university professor. So she works in higher education. Um, and. I believe she teaches like gender studies, humanities, and, uh, but she of course is an author of dark fiction. Now, Paula, differently from any of the other authors we have had thus far has only written in short fiction format. Yes. She has no novellas. She has no novelettes. She has no full-length novels. She only has put out work. I I believe she might have some stuff in the trunk that's longer, but what she has put out to us is only short fiction. Now, I love short fiction because of the way my brain works, but she has a way of making you process so much in a short piece of work that it's practically like mind boggling and like going back to that concept of sometimes I just want bloody good fun and you go to Godless <laughs> and you download a short story from like Simon and Sean so I'm yes. McCarty and a hawker and I'm like I'm gonna read this it's gonna be the most offensive shit I've ever seen it's gonna be absurd <laughs> it's gonna be disgusting it's gonna be ultra violent and gory and I'm gonna have a blast and it's gonna be over in 25 pages Woo! that was a great roller coaster ride <laughs> And then you have somebody like Paula who in less than 20 pages can make you question yourself as a parent and what your place in the world is and how you're raising your children. So it's like <laughs> most, most of her work hasn't even that we are here to hurt each other is her only single author collection. Everything else <laughs> she's done. She has like 15 other things out. And I think they're all just anthology contributions and a lot of them I feel like are stories that are also in we are here to hurt each other like I went I kind of did some background work and saw that some of like um oh god there's one in particular that I can't remember the name of but like um like the mother of all evil or something like that that's one of oh oh we're gonna talk about that one today yeah oh Oh, we're gonna (laughs) talk about that one (laughs) <laughs> that one blew my mind and I'm not a parent and it blew my mind. Oh, I have so many thoughts and I want to run them by her because holy shit. Yes. <laughs> did you read, did you read Jacqueline laughs in the gaslight? Yes. Let me. Her take jump. on her take on Jack the Ripper, the Jack yes. the Ripper story. Yes. Oh my God. Now, first of all, can we talk about how great that title is? Jacqueline laughs in the gaslight. Oh my God. But oh, and I don't want to say anything else because if y'all can go find this story, you gotta go find this story. It's so good. She's so good. God, by the time she gets here, if she listens to this episode, she was like, I don't even she'll be like, I don't even know why y'all brought me in there. You said everything there was to be there's not there's nothing else for me to talk about (laughs) well we have about 15 minutes until she's expecting a link from us I the people get to hear me rant and rave about my favorite reads 
every episode. So I want you to take this opportunity. Last week, Dustin shared his faves from 2022 so far. Tell the children, what have been your favorite books of the year so far? What have you been loving? Um, well, obviously, we are here to hurt each other. That's up there. Um, for all the reasons that we just touched on and more. Um, but other than that, and I'm a little bit behind, so I know like some of these books were like big in 2021 or whatever, but and I have I did bring them here. So um this would be my number one, Left to You by Mr. Daniel J. Volpe. Um, my grandpa actually survived Auschwitz <gasps> during World War II. Holy crap, Rachel. Yeah, what a legacy. Yeah. Reading this was um weirdly like the parts that were like obviously horror because it's terrible things that like legitimately happen to people um but not like so much the actual like story so like the concentration camp parts of this it's like very a lot of like what we heard from my grandpa um and I love that he did it like he presented something so terrible without being like gratuitous about it um which it I know he said like that was feel exploitative does it it doesn't no, no. Um, so I loved that one. Um, and then did you tell him that? Have you shared that with him? I did, but it, I think Good. it's before he like, I think it's before he like knew who I was. Like now we harass each other all of the time. Um, especially about his crappy, crappy taste in beer. Um, <laughs> um, oh God. Yeah. Um, this would be another one of my favorites. <gasps> yeah. Did you read this one? Uh-huh. Okay. So I, I mean, like, I know you're in healthcare. I'm sort of by proxy now, but I worked in direct patient care for many years. And this one hit me on like an emotional level of like just how treating your patients like people is um yeah she just writes writes about that like it, it hit me so emotionally I was like I have to put this on my list because even though that's not like the whole point of the story like the story is dark and you know horrible um but for me the whole like saving grace was just treating your patient like a person yeah human um, to human yeah um what else oh the rest I were I read on my kindle and my kindle is currently dead so I don't have those oh, to share but five <sighs> what were they um so faces of Beth by Carver Pike I I went into that one blind like I didn't really know what it was about I had just heard him talk about like writing it on um written in red and I was like oh okay I'll pick it up and the reveal like hit me I had no idea. Um, and like just for that moment alone and also um, the whole like imagery of little tiny, little tiny six-year-old girl beating the ever-living crap out of uh, the demon. I, I, yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, uh-huh, this has, this, this is up there. Um, and then I really loved, and this is another one from, um, 
from you guys. Um, oh, good Lord. I can't think of anything. <laughs> so I here, here's a little, I took notes on my phone and then my computer wouldn't let me like log in. I put like, <laughs> that's why you couldn't hear me. So now I'm like filming this on my phone. So I'm like, all my notes are there. How am I supposed to? <laughs> oh, bless you. <laughs> um, so Colt Skinner's short story. Your, your English is good. Yes. Yes. For like a debut, I was like, you've got to be, you got to be freaking kidding me. If this is like as good, like this is what your debut is. I'm going to read everything else you write. Like, <laughs> and I'm sure, oh, and in, speaking of, um, oh, Natasha Sinclair, incesticide. Oh my God. And God bless uh, her. She gave us a shout out in the acknowledgments. Oh, I love her so much. <laughs> I know I opened it up and I like I opened my copy and I was like oh well, I have to screenshot this and send it to Marion and Christine I, I like no idea I had no idea I was so excited I love <laughs> Natasha Sinclair so she and I have this mutual love of the kids show Bluey and we both live to be just like Bluey and Bingo's mom Chili <laughs> <laughs> we love this animated dog woman <laughs> she's just such a good mom we're like why can't we be as good as that dog mom <laughs> i love her so much oh man i have never seen that show but i will tell you that like after last season sometime you wore a bluey shirt and you were like all about it. And then I saw it like everywhere. It was like all my Facebook friends with like small children were like talking about Bluey. I'm like, what is this? It is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I freaking love it. Christina and I actually just <laughs> a few weeks ago, she was like, have you been watching the new season of Bluey? <laughs> As if it was like Stranger Things, like Stranger Things, what? Who gives a shit? <laughs> have you been watching the new season of Bluey? because <laughs> that's what really matters <laughs> you're like yeah my kid my kids weren't even home when I watched it <laughs> it's a comfort show <laughs> after I have this baby I'll sit in bed with the baby and I'll be like you want to watch bluey you don't know what life is yet let's watch some bluey <laughs> oh all right girl you ready you ready for I... all the time Shall we send her a little invitation? Yeah, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Like, might fangirl out here? I don't know. I might just fall over dead. I'm unsure. It's gonna be fun. Okay, y'all, we'll be back in a minute. It's Paul. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, okay. I need to tell you. You have the best smile in the world. I could look at your smile all day. And she takes these pictures and she puts them online. And she's like, and I'm Paula? like, no, no, give me the smile. <laughs> the best one I've ever seen in my whole life. Thank you so much. <laughs> that is so sweet. Thank you. Oh, Paula. <laughs> thank you for being on our show i love it hi rachel hi Mary. Oh, i love you so much you should have seen 
the messaging that was going back and forth between Rachel and I this morning because we were really trying to get our questions down because, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to seem like intelligent and organized (laughs) in thought. And when we start, we start going through, because I'm pretty sure that she and I now have read everything. Uh, we're, but it, it's like this chain reaction of questions and comments and thoughts and things that we want to process. And I'm like, I don't even know if we're actually going to have questions or if this is just going to be an hour of us being like, you're amazing. And here's why, and here's why I think this. And can you tell me if I'm right? Because I don't know if I'm right, but this is what's going on in my head. I, lo- I love you. <laughs> I'm like crying a little bit. I'm like, (laughs) you came out of nowhere, lady. I I did. I did. Seemingly so. Yeah. You just popped in. Paula Ashton slid into my DMs one day. She was like, (laughs) I wrote this book. You want to read it? And I was like, yeah. Hi. That was such (laughs) a, that was, that was, it's funny because I had started following your page about your TikTok like maybe a month before it started and I'm not a big TikToker like I don't know much about TikTok and so but I had seen the title which was you know TF that I just read and I was like well that sounds like something I you know would be into and so I had just happened to started following your Facebook page for the TikTok and I watched a few and you know I saw that you liked really transgressive you know extreme kind of horror and I and so then my book was coming out and I was like well you know like you said I I I, you know I tried to shoot my shot I was like well I I mean what's the worst that can happen she can say no you know like that's how it is with everything like the worst that can happen is somebody says no and I sent it and uh here we are here we are and now I will require every beta (laughs) <laughs> and arc <laughs> that comes into existence like I said in that TikTok and I was talking about it again in the intro I got halfway through that freaking collection didn't even finish it and messaged you and was like this is the best book I've You're like ever this. read in my whole fucking life what the hell <laughs> I, got I sent you a friend request in. I need you to be on my podcast <laughs> I got three stories in and instantly like was I am in Christina and Marion like what the fuck like why is this so good why is this so good I was like oh, I know right yeah. I know right okay yeah so you got when you come here <laughs> you come here to get fangirled over like we'll drool <laughs> over you and we're like you're amazing you're fantastic you're wonderful here's every way you're a genius now Let's process your childhood trauma. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Editing is terrible and I, I should have a ring lamp or something, but I don't. But uh but oh mine yeah, the um but yeah, I mean that's the that's the next I mean people read my stuff and the next question is is you know after they read it is what the fuck is wrong with you? Or you know, tell me <laughs> tell me about your childhood. How do you feel about your mom? Yeah. Seems like <laughs> You might have some mom stuff that you need to get out and process. Um, Ooh, that might be why I like it. <laughs> why I like your stuff so much. <laughs> the mom stuff. No, 
um yeah I mean and and like my mom is wonderful she's she's a lovely woman um but I mean I I I I feel like parents in general moms in particular for at least for me but like I feel like with parents you have so much power over somebody else's life and you just don't you don't know what's going to happen you know you don't know what's going to happen and I think that there are so many and particularly like in this in this era I guess of, of 2022 just in terms of like like childhood development psychology and what we know about children and and trauma and child rearing those things that like our parents and our parents parents and so forth and so on just didn't know about um yep. it's just yeah like there's so much stuff that we know is damaging but it but it's considered like a normal you know like that's like that's just how you raise kids and I and, and that's always been something that I've been really fascinated by because you know I I grew up and everybody said that my mom was like the soft one and my mom was not as far as you unsolved me um <laughs> and so that was always really interesting because I I was always like you know, like I grew up in a household where, you know, not to, you know, I grew up in a household where physical discipline was, was the norm. Uh-huh. Um, and so, but it was like, everybody was like, you know, your mom's really soft on you. And I was just like, is she? Cause I, you know, I, I have, you know, my, uh, my, my, my mom's go-to was a, was a house shoe, you know? <laughs> so I don't, is that, I can assure you that it's not, you know? So it's, it, and yep. people are like, well, yeah, well, my mom made me go out and pick out my own switch. And I'm like, well, that's disturbing. And, and, you know, that shouldn't happen. But so, and then like, I'm a parent now, like I'm a mom and, uh, you know, I don't do physical discipline. My wife and I, we don't, we don't do that. Um, and, but it's, but it's seen, you know, in some corners of the world and in some corners of our, our lives, where people are like, you know, that's what's wrong with your kid. Like, like we have a toddler right. and, and it's like, well, you know, she wouldn't act like that if you gave her physical discipline. And I'm just like, she's a toddler. Like that's, yep. that's how kids act. Hi. Training. So yeah, this guy yeah. all the time is telling me how strict I am. And I'm like, but you don't even know what strict <laughs> is. Like, <laughs> you have no idea pal you have no clue, no clue. Yeah. I talk about that in the trainings yeah. that I do because I we talk a lot about trauma and how it um forms our uh behavioral responses to stress and crisis later in life and like the universe has been traumatizing humans since we developed consciousness it's just the last 30 or 40 years yep. that we as a species have realized what an impact it actually has and that it's like yep. a thing Absolutely. <laughs> plus my 18 yeah. year old yeah. never learned emotional intelligence and yet this guy and his almost 10 year old sister starting in preschool every day had to identify what emotion they were experiencing Wow. And go through that's what, awesome. There's an entire course we have out here called Junior Achievement where they're learning emotional intelligence and how their emotional responses and behaviors affect the emotional responses of other people. So like they're getting emotional intelligence that we never never had. No. Never had. I, can I enroll late in Junior Achievement cuz that might happen. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, Paula, we don't need, we, we need you to be emotionally messed up so you can continue to write beautiful stories. Yes. And actually that was really a really great segue into like my first question for you. Yeah. Like you are my master of short fiction. I feel like what I'm going to say to you mostly say is like fangirl statements rather than actually <laughs> but whatever. So I love short stories because I, I'm a little bit ADHD. I thrive on fast and freaky fiction. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I find that it takes a certain level of mastery to trigger a storm of questions and emotions inside someone's brain when the piece of art you've given them is like less than 20 pages. Mm-hmm. And going back to that concept of motherhood your story we were actually talking about this in the intro mothers of all monsters Mm -hmm. I think is a prime example of this like where do I even even start Mm -hmm. I like I don't want to spoil anything for anyone who has yet to read it but it worked me over you and I are both moms Mm -hmm. and this Mm -hmm. story really dives into that place of the mom brain where you're like, you're looking at this beautiful human that you've created. And then you're potentially confronted with the possibility that they are not what you thought they were. And perhaps they are not safe for this world. And then what is my responsibility as their mother? How do I reconcile that that person is peace with me? Is how I choose Mm -hmm. to handle the situation actually a reflection of who I am deep down inside? And does that mean my capacity for evil is just as deep as my child's? And then does the choice (laughs) I make prove that my child's behavior was inevitable? And then does that mean I'm no better? You spiraled. Yeah, then you just spiral. You just spiral. But no, I, I I appreciate it because those are all the questions that I was asking myself. And I don't like I like you said, I don't want to spoil it either. But that story, that's one of the earliest stories I wrote. I wrote that before I was a parent. I wrote that story. God, I was still in college. I was an undergrad when I wrote that story. And the reason why I wrote it um, was because this was several years after um, oh, what's his name? This was several years after Jeffrey. Dahmer had been murdered in prison right like he was murdered in in prison and I remember I had watched several documentaries about Dahmer because you know and (laughs) because it's it's fascinating and um and I remember in so many of the documentaries and so many of the things I read one of the things that people kept talking about was how like everybody kept blaming his mom like not his mom and his dad but everybody kept blaming his mom specifically because she had had you know some history of like emotional trauma and neglect she had some kind of like psychological history and so everybody kept pointing back to her mom or pointing back to his mom and I just remember thinking like but how was she how how do you know how do you know who your child is, is, is going to, to be? How do you know yeah. that? And what is your response? Like you said, like, what, where is that line for responsibility? Because it seems like the solution to, you know, a problem such as of, of that one is to, then you have to remove your child, we'll say. And how do you do that? Like, how, how do you do that? And it's, it's funny because um, a couple days ago on Twitter, there was, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was something, oh, it was, it was not even a couple of days ago. So this is completely random, but it was about, you know, Queen Elizabeth II 
died. And um, a lot of people were saying a lot of things on, on Twitter about it. And, and somebody was saying like, you know, we can't celebrate her because she protected her son who is, I mean, a pedophile. And um, people were like, you know, you can't celebrate her because she protected her son. And again, I'm not saying that she should have or whatever, but again, you don't get to control your kid after a certain point. Like you, 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 so, yeah, so no. this is like, like, what do you do with that? What, how do you reconcile that? I, I, Dahmer is a really great example there because we always, when we look at serial killers or people who commit violent crimes like that, where's the first place we always go? We go back to the history, the childhood history. Yeah. We look for the mm-hmm. aces, the adverse yes. childhood events mm-hmm. and the trauma. Mm-hmm. Well, yep. they say Dahmer had none. Had none. He had none. Yeah. He had he a had well-adjusted yep. middle-class middle class, white family in the burbs, like parents that were ev- together. Yeah. They say maybe we had a couple of traumatic brain injuries, but not even as many as most serial killers right. are noted right. to have. So it, he's just an example of how there is in, in some people they're brought into this world and they just have a deep capacity for evil. Yeah. And I love this character that you created because she she has to make a very clear choice. But then when you as a mother sit back, you like, you really have to think about it. You're like, but the choice that you make speaks volumes about who you are as well. Yeah. And then are you really all that different from each other? And was there a level of this where maybe you, you could have expected it if you dug a little deep and, and you do that. And then like 20 pages, (laughs) there's there's a quote, there's a quote in that story that I just like, I feel like thumbs up that up a lot there's a beast in every body some people go their whole lives without feeling its frenzy and I'm like that's exactly what you're like talking about about like how so there's a beast in you know in Dahmer and like it just became a frenzy like you know I don't know no that's no you're 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 right Rachel I think that's um because I think you know how when like when people who are into horror everybody always asks like what's the thing you're afraid of and um I don't often give this answer but I mean the thing that I I I think that a lot of people myself included that I'm really afraid of is me because I do I do I feel like everybody has that capacity you know everybody has you know I this it sounds bad but I just I do I'm sorry I just that's that's how I, I feel like everybody has that capacity to do something really really terrible and um you know harmful but it just it depends on the circumstances that bring it out right and so it's like if you can't control your circumstances then like who do you become in those certain you know situations and so that that's really what that's about like I just I I feel like um and that's true for everybody (laughs) and I feel like some people are kind of oblivious you know some people just don't know um but you know, for better or for worse, unfortunately, I'm one of those people who I I recognize that pretty, um, you know, pretty early on, and I realize not only is it just me, that's everybody. That's I mean, you hear so many stories about people who, you know, it's and it always comes back to like somebody who's done something terrible to multiple people, right? Like a serial killer, like a, you know, like a, somebody who abuses children or something. And it's like, well, they seem like such a nice person. They were such good people. Um, and, but it's just that, you know, something happened. 
that. And, and that's, and they are both that person who's a good person, but they're also a monster. And it's like, oh. I don't know. That's, oh, I don't know. Absolutely. I just think people are messed up. <laughs> that's, where, that's where it comes from. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I know this is your jam. Yes, <laughs> they are. <laughs> I think you know better than most. I think you know better than most. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Rachel, yeah. you had a really great question about how this all got started in the first place. Yeah, so I mean, it kind of, we might already know. I think this is the one you're talking about, Marion, but we might already know this the answer to this now after this last conversation. But I noticed that you a lot of your stories um, kind of have like a crime aspect or a true crime mm-hmm. aspect or involve like police and whatever, like that whole kind of thing. So I was kind of wondering, is there like a specific case um, that you remember that kind of like started your interest in that or that like cultivated that like interest in criminals and kind of like that where, where you take it in your writing? And then how did that evolve into the dark fiction that you're cranking out now? Yeah. (laughs) Um, um, hmm. Honestly, I'm I'm trying to think and maybe it was something different, but I think really it was Dahmer. I'm originally from Ohio. And so that wasn't too far away from where that happened. Um, And I just remember this was, I was in like middle school, I think, like sixth or seventh grade, I think. And I remember like people were taught like he had been arrested and people were talking about like the things that he had done. And I mean, you know, like that's some really harrowing stuff to encounter when you're a kid, right? And you think that, I mean, like middle school, I still think people in middle school are kids, but like, you know. Oh yeah. So, you know, so it was just very, (laughs) and so I remember I had a, my math teacher was originally my seventh grade algebra teacher was originally from Wisconsin and I think he said that he at one point lived near the Dahmers but had moved away or if it was Wisconsin whichever state was they they were in like he had at one point kind of been neighbors with them but his family had moved away oh whoa and yeah and so he and (laughs) I don't know why, but our, you know, my seventh grade algebra teacher told us that story and I'm the kind of person where stuff gets stuck, like uh-huh. that kind of stuff, you know, my, it just gets stuck in my brain. Um, <laughs> and so I just kind of ruminated about it for decades. And, um, <laughs> and so I think that was the, that was the one I remember um, learning about Sylvia Likens um, and oh, yeah. uh, that's the, the basis of Jack Ketchum's The Girl Next Door and that just really horrified me I still haven't I haven't read that that book I haven't um, either I, can't. I don't know if I ever will yeah I I don't know if I can do it um, but I remember learning about it and I saw I think there's a film version of it there is yeah yeah okay I, I think I watched part of that like I don't think I made it through the whole thing but it's just it's so it's really that kind of stuff that gets me where it's like and then I think also and I, I don't I I really want to do something like write something about this but I haven't had the chance to do so yet but I also I grew up through the satanic panic in the 80s yeah and so we went to the the church that I went to as a child was very like into that um and we would go to like like 
<laughs> but like I was a child. But like we would get like um like piles of like vinyl records, like heavy metal records, and like stomp on them to like kill the no, like it was yeah. a very bizarre time. My husband grew up in the same kind of church. Like his mom threw after they got involved in the Pentecostal church, she threw away all of his Godzilla action figures because they were demonic. Oh. I had I I had an aunt who um because my mom would let me go to the library and get whatever books I wanted. And of course all I got was like horror and true crime because you know. <laughs> and my my I remember my aunt and my mom got into like a pretty heated argument because my aunt was telling my mom that I was like bringing active demons into the house through books. And my mom was like <laughs> like bless her my mom was just like they're just books like what's and so I dodged that bullet thanks mom um but yeah but I mean like that stuff was like it was dead serious and so I think that has a bit that had a big um and a big impact as well um just because I don't know like it may it just seemed like like evil is a real thing and it's, it's yeah. right there and it's, and it's in your house and there are demons, you know what I mean? But I guess I took it to the crime route because I just always have been fascinated with like, it's like the idea. And I know our understandings of police and policing are, are much different than they were, you know, back in the eighties and nineties, but it just always seemed like the people who really did have to face like everyday evil was like people in, in law enforcement and people who worked in, um, you know, like in, uh, like in like therapeutic medical settings, like the people yeah. who have to deal with that are mm-hmm. the people who work in health, mental health care people. I'm, 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 I'm working hard now to try and make things that's more oriented toward like social work and mental health care. Um, because I feel like those people, uh, even more so than law enforcement, they really have to have to deal with it. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's so funny because a lot of people will be because I do have a tendency to be very bubbly and light and lively and like sunshiny. I'm a Gemini. We have those. We have the we have the light and, and the dark. But a lot of people are like, well, how can you how can you handle this stuff? Like, why do you read this stuff? I'm like, you don't forget what I do for a living. Like I have heard real life stuff that is way worse I can't even than a lot of what I've read in these books yeah. like some of the stories I could tell you uh, I had a man who came in he murdered his mother with an axe because the devil was inside of her and when the devil came out of her it went into his left arm so what did he do he cut his left arm off holy shit like uh, the the, the the human brain is an amazing thing <laughs> and the it's real scary. stuff that's happening out there is sometimes wilder than anything we can oh, put yeah. on paper so i'm like this is actually a little bit of a, a an escape for me it's a honestly. <laughs> but yeah. it's also yeah. i think it's important like going back to that whole concept of like how you uh you terrorize your readers by tapping into the horror of the human psyche because we are the most terrifying things that exist on this yeah. planet <laughs> quite honestly and that's where real horror comes from is from each other from other humans hell is other people right yep for sure ain't that truth <laughs> well 
And I noticed like in a lot of, in a lot of your books, did you have like a person who then morphs into a monster? And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily like a bad monster, but um, specifically like two that are not in, uh, we are here to hurt each other, but um, the one from the Indiana crime, uh, what is that? Like the skin of all men. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so uh, sure that you read that. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> I just read it again this morning. <laughs> it's so, that one is so good. And like, I don't know if I'm saying if I'm saying this right, but Mater Nihil. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like that one too. It's like you take these seemingly human people and then like morph them into something deeper. So a lot like there's a monster in all of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But a monster doesn't necessarily have to be bad. It doesn't have to be bad. I think that's, I mean, I think one of, and somebody asked me this the other day, it was a, for an interview and I couldn't think of the, you know, I just, I couldn't think of the right thing to say because they had asked me like, if there's anything that like I wanted people to take away from here, we are here to hurt each other, like what? it like what's the takeaway and like I the answer I gave was suitable but like what you and like what you both have brought up is is really it like yes we do have monsters in us many of us do but that doesn't have to be a bad thing sometimes the monster can be the protector sometimes the monster can be the defender and I think one of the things that we kind of as human beings have to do is we have to try like ignoring it doesn't work and I understand that there are some monsters and people that you just there's no you know, there's no rehabilitating that, you know, yeah, <laughs> no. like sometimes it's just like, mm, no, but no I capacity think, for empathy. Yeah. None whatsoever. Like completely just, you know, just total full-blown sociopathy, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like there's no, you know, there's no coming back from that. But I think for some of us, um, you, you have to acknowledge that and you have to try and, and make it, if you can, into a strength sometimes. Um, because I think that, you know, that human monster inside of us has the capacity to, to, do, um, to do some things that could be considered good. I think, I think, you know, if you can temper that with compassion, if you can temper that with, with some empathy, I, I think you can, you can have that monster you know, live and live alongside you and inside you and, and still, you know, be a, a person who doesn't harm others. Um, I think that's, that's kind of like, I don't know, that's what, that's what I'm trying to, to do, I think. Um, but it, also, thank y'all so much for reading my other stuff. I'm so sick <laughs> right now. I'm like, I oh my God. God. This is, thank we, you. We told oh, you yeah. fangirls, fangirls. Yes. <laughs> yes. You are not kidding. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Well, you know, I usually like to expand beyond the more frequently asked questions, like the one I'm about to hit you with, but I personally feel you are a unique voice within dark fiction right now, because horror stereotypically is dominated by cisgendered white people. And now we have you and you are a brilliant queer African-American woman breaking through this genre, like a fucking wrecking ball. And (laughs) I know you're a big Clive Barker fan. 
I am. I am. But were there any other authors who really touched that spot in your soul and sparked your connection with horror? Because, you know, you have a, this genre was not set up to create that connection for you the way it has with a lot of other readers, just being honest. Sure. Yeah. Is why a lot of our African-American friends, like they find it later because yeah. it's not marketed the right way. So, yeah, no, speak to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me, so there's, there's my big, my big three is, is Clive Barker. Um, and I don't even, I don't even remember how I discovered Clive Barker, but I'll, I'll come back to Clive Barker. If you, any point at any time when anybody wants to talk about Clyde Barker, I'm available. Um, but <laughs> the other one, the, so the big one for real for me in this, it, 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 I don't know, the Toni Morrison, right? So I read, I read The Bluest Eye in high school and I read it, I was in an AP English class and my, prof, or my teacher, um, Mr. Rogers was like, Paula, you like stuff that's kind of horrific maybe you'll like the bluest eye so he he told me to read it and that book changed my life like hands down it changed everything because even though I know I know that 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 you know um ancestor Morrison never considered herself a horror writer so much of her work is horror it is absolutely it is horrific in its implication it is it is horrific in its um narrative structure um and the bluest eye was one of the first things that I ever read. And if, if you haven't read it, it's the, it's the story of um, a young black girl in the fifties in Ohio. Um, she's been told her whole life. She's, she's uh, pretty dark skinned and she's been told her whole life that, that she's ugly. And she, all she wants in the world is, is blue eyes because that's the, that is the standard of beauty that has been presented to her. Right. And so she is, is, you know, she, she is exploited and victimized and traumatized by pretty much everyone she comes into contact with, um, largely because of, of her, uh, her, her dark skin and that people think she's ugly. Um, and it's, this, it's, it's, the story is told from the perspective of, of another young girl who knows her and befriended her. Um, but it's one of the most horrifying stories I've ever, I've ever read. And I remember it, it felt like after I read it, it felt like something opened up in the world to me, like something like you can tell a story that's horrific and, you know, harrowing and heartbreaking, and it can have a point, like you can tell a horror story that says something about the world that you live in. Now, when I was in high school, was I able to do that? No, <laughs> it took a while. It took a while, I think. Um, but that was the thing that opened the door for me was, was Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. And then I read, I read everything that she's written. And then I, I think I read the next one I read from her was Beloved, which is about, um, you know, enslavement, uh, the enslavement of, of, of West African peoples in the United States. And the woman Setha who who kills her her own child rather than have that child go to, go, go into the the system of the the plantation system of slavery, um, and that was another one that just like I mean I, I remember I I had nightmares about that book for months, um, and yeah I I and uh and so I just I don't know like it, it was like Toni Morrison gave you know me that permission to tell you know stories about the experiences of people who don't often get to tell about their experiences and particularly people whose 
stories are really horrific and terrible, but we don't see them as that because we just presume, like, you know, like, I mean, so many horror movies and horror stories are told about white middle to upper class. Because everything's whitewashed. Yeah, and cisgender heterosexual people. And it's like, do you really think that the only people who experience, like, horror in the world are those people? Because that's not how that works. So that's- It makes absolutely no sense to me because- marginalized communities are the ones who are facing the most real life horror from a so from a sociological standpoint when you look at it that is real life that Mm -hmm. is what's really happening tony Mm -hmm. morrison maya angelou wrote some of the most unflinching transgressive horror fiction yeah Absolutely. And we're so ahead of their time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what they sure. gave us, I, uh, because it was looking at, you know, a lot of people think about, like, myself included, like Last Exit, Brooklyn, Hubert Selby, mm-hmm. transgressive fiction, looking at the real horrors of life. And it doesn't get classified as horror, even though it's some right. of the most horrific stuff you're ever going to read. Mm-hmm. But even still, even though that, again, that was one of the first books I read where even though it was mostly about a Caucasian community, there was a lot of xenophobia because mm-hmm. there's a lot of racism towards mm-hmm. Jewish people in that book. Mm-hmm. And there are several characters in there who are very, very overtly homosexual. Mm-hmm. They are queer. Mm-hmm. There's drag. Qu- like he wrote yeah. this book in the 60s. Yeah. And he was telling it like it, it was like one of the mm-hmm. first times I got to really explore like the marginalization of these communities and mm-hmm. how they were affected on that sociological, the, the urban level. And holy shit, like that's <laughs> horror. Yeah. That yeah. is horror. Mm-hmm. You, there's there are so there are different styles in the way people present this and and we Mm -hmm. actually were talking about this in the intro where I kind of introduced the concept that your eloquence and the elegance the the lyrical nature of your writing it makes it feel like we're almost walking through one of your dreams yeah it's not a fogginess but there's this dreamlike veil over things, especially with the short stories that you included in We Are Here to Hurt Each Other. My brain loves to make connections, but sometimes it takes a while. And it wasn't <laughs> until I was in the car this morning, <laughs> going to the grocery store where I was really thinking about things. I was like, you know what? I kind of have, I have to put you in this little triad. It's you and Eric LaRocca, and I'm going to put you guys in there with Neil Gaiman. Oh, so you guys, it's like your writing makes me feel like you're personally reaching out and you're taking my hand and you guys are like, okay, hey, come with me. (laughs) I'm going to walk you through this thing and it's going to be awful and horrible (laughs) and painful, but it's also going to be extraordinarily beautiful. Yeah. And it. It, that, that, it, mm. <laughs> that's, that's some incredible company right there and I'm, I'm super honored to be in that in that 
in that grouping. And because I think everybody knows, like, I'm a pretty hardcore Erica Waka fangirl. Like, I bought, I accidentally bought three copies of. <laughs> uh, accidentally. Accidentally. I bought, I bought three, <laughs> three copies. So at first I, I posted on Twitter because I had bought two, right? I was like, what the hell's wrong with me? I have ADHD because I do have ADHD. And I'm like, see, this is what happens. We have ADHD. I brought two different copies of the same damn book. No, baby, I bought three. I bought three of them. The other one came yesterday and my wife was like, don't you already have this book? And I was like, <laughs> no, 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 I don't. Right, no. And like, they're both I said, like, I'm, I'm so busted. Like, I'm just clearly busted. She's like, why did you buy this book? Three times? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but the thing, the nice thing is the, the one, the, the last one I bought was actually signed. So I was like, well, at least there's that. So I bought that one signed. But yeah, I have three copies of uh things have gotten worse since we last spoke and other misfortunes so i'm gonna i'm gonna lend one to a friend and then i don't know what i'm gonna do with the other copy (laughs) well it reminds me a lot of clive barker Mm -hmm. and then knowing that he was a big literary influence on you i know you're a big hellraiser fan and if that isn't the epitome of walking through a nightmarish dreamscape and yet like he was one of the first people that took us he he kind of blended the horror of human nature plus the horror fantasy and kind of stuck Mm -hmm. them together and how one influenced the other Mm -hmm. and I, i feel like that comes out a lot especially in the short stories that are in we are here to hurt each other because that's really what it's all about those two worlds kind of clashing together yeah and I think um and like so my like my my big three it's you know it's Clive Barker Toni Morrison and then the third one is Elizabeth Massey I don't know if, if you're familiar with Beth Massey at all she um she run a stoker several several years ago for the novel Sin Eater. She's written uh, Wire, Mesh, Wire Mesh Mothers. Um, she, she's written a ton of stuff and she's really prolific in a lot of different genres. And she wrote this, and she won a novella for a story called Steven that I read in. You're like, let me- Damn it! Uh, she, wrote this, she wrote this novella called Steven and it is, I'm, it knocked me just- it flat knocked me flat on my ass when I read it this was again like 10 15 years ago and it's one of those stories that's like that like the it's this prose that's lush it's beautiful it's gorgeous it's it's about one of the most harrowing kind of um you know experiences that that someone could have it's it's a story about a woman who um experiences um sexual abuse at the hand of her brother at the hands of her brother and um it's it's so so good and that was another one like that open also opened a door for me to see like again you can tell you can tell these stories that are just really um harrowing but that are 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 about things that happen in in real life that that happen to people that we don't talk about that we you know just kind of pretend doesn't happen or that it can't happen to us or whatever um and so that that's you know that's like the other one and that and it also has like that kind of dreamlike quality where like you know what's happening is happening but it's so nightmarish you're like I I wish this wasn't happening but it is and and yeah that's I highly recommend her 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 work she's uh phenomenal and and such a nice and approachable person she's so I'm such a big fangirl of hers and she's on Facebook and I'm always like 
like, I don't know, like I just talked to her and she's super nice to me and talks to me and I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe you're talking to me. So yeah, it's, she's, she's amazing. <laughs> we were talking about that concept earlier. <laughs> like, I literally can't believe this is my life today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is so sweet. Because everybody is, everybody is like, I'm just a person. And then somebody else will stand across from you and be like, but you're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me, you are this very special, <laughs> special creature. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> no. And both of them the same look, you know, I'm just not, not, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. But I appreciate it. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, you know, again, I, I think um I particularly like, I, I feel like we are in a moment for a variety of reasons where I think people are paying more attention to horror. And I think people are paying more attention to horror that's coming, you know, from marginalized, you know, marginalized voices. Um, and I, and I think that that is really, um, it's really incredible to, to like, to be part of that. And I just think it's very, like, it's been a long time coming. Um, and, and yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but I just, I don't know. Like, I just feel like there's a lot of energy in the, in the movement right now. I think there's a lot of energy now and that's, that's really cool. Oh, absolutely. You know, kind of building off of that, Rachel had a really great question that she shared with me earlier about your use of spirituality in your work. Mm -hmm. Rachel hit her with that one because that was a great question. Oh, good Lord. I think this is one that I was like, I don't know if there's a question here. (laughs) I think there is. Like, I've just kind of noticed in a lot of your work that there is like, like deep-seated, um, it's more like old religion, like indigenous religion principles um, mm-hmm. in in a lot of your stories. And I, thinking to myself, I'm like, well, this could come from like religious trauma or like, I don't know, like I didn't want to get too deep and be like, well, well tell me your, our, what is your faith? Blah, 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 <laughs> that kind of stuff. But then I'm also noticing I'm like indigenous and like kind of like voodoo-esque and like mm-hmm. these great like really great uh like old religions that like run through and I, I, I'm so curious like where does that come from I, I was reflecting on the, the base of this question she had and when I was thinking about this I thought well a lot of these theological ideologies are now often inappropriately labeled as a cult mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. our modern yeah. times mm-hmm. So, you know, tell us about where did it come? I mean, you already recognize like growing up in the Pentecostal church is a thing in and of itself. God bless them. But (laughs) can you, can you speak more to like the importance of using those ideologies and that level of spiritual focus in your writing? Yeah, I just, so thank you, Rachel, and thank you, Marion, for, for both noticing that, because I've, I've been waiting for somebody to ask those questions. Um, and I Rachel! Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not an idiot, I swear. Because it's not something, 
well, okay. So I told you guys about the, like that's the satanic panic panic yeah. in the 80s. And so yeah. So I mean, I just I grew up in a very um I grew up, I don't know how many is a lot, but I feel like I grew up around a lot of religious fanatics. <laughs> and um and, and, and like, I remember like one of the first things I ever learned about in church was the book of revelations, which again, you should not let children know, know anything about that. Like you just really shouldn't in the, you know, and then the, the biblical book of revelation. And so, I mean, I, that, that messed me up. I'm going to be honest that that messed me up real bad. <laughs> um, I'm still messed up about that. And, um, but it's so it's that kind of stuff but then I've, I've also um always been kind of interested in in like kind of divergent I guess spiritual paths and belief systems um like I personally like I like I identify as a secular humanist but I also identify as an agnostic and I, I I don't know I feel like I don't know like you know what I mean like I don't know I don't I don't have a definitive answer to anything beyond this you know um but I know that human beings and our consciousness creates a sense of something else creates a sense of the divine and I just find that really fascinating like I just think that's really interesting and I think I mean as far as like indigenous kind of you know, um, practices, marginalized practices that are seen as cultic. It's, it's really interesting that you notice that because I have, I, you know, my family has no, you know, like we have no indigenous or, um, you know, sort of cultural, you know, religious, spiritual connections. Like everybody in my family, as far as I know, is just, you know, run of the mill, some level of Christian, like definitely grounded in like the black church. But beyond that, like, nobody in my family that I'm aware of like practices any you know kind of African West African or Caribbean you know religious practices mm -hmm. so I don't I mean I don't know maybe it just came out from somewhere I, you know <laughs> but, but um but I've, I've I don't know like I just I've, I've always been really fascinated by that and I also I mean talking about like like the sociological kind of aspect of it like you know you, you can't talk about I mean, I hate to say it, but it's true. Like, you, you know, you can't talk about like abuse and abuses of power and things like that without also thinking about, you know, like the church and, and the way the role that religion plays in those things and how people, you know, abuse their power, abuse their religious power, abuse their religious authority. And so I think for me, it's a lot of trying to explore that. But then also, again, because I come from a um, you know, from people who take their faith very seriously. Um, I, I feel like there is a reason for that. Like, there's a reason why people believe what they believe in, particularly as I, as I get older, you know, when you're young and kind of like, you know, angry and you're just like, I don't know, <laughs> that's bullshit, you know, and like, that's like, that's fair. Um, but you also, you know, particularly when, as you grow older and you start to encounter those significant losses that just really damage you, it, it makes sense why people believe what they believe sometimes. Yes. It, it makes sense why people are looking for something beyond, you know, just right, what's right and what's right in front of them because it's, it's, it's hard to deal with that by yourself. It's a, it's a lot easier in some ways and understandable in some ways to, you know, give that to a higher power, give that, you know, to 
the ancestors or to give, you know, what, whatever the, the situation is. And so I, I, I get that. I appreciate, I may not practice it personally, but I, I do understand the, the reason why people do it. So I hope that answered your question, Rachel. Sorry. Oh, well, I mean, if we're talking about like, you know, generational trauma is definitely a thing. Why wouldn't there also be a little bit of like maybe generational faith or like a lot, you know, like, especially when we want to talk about like slavery and people Mm -hmm. going like they survive like through their faith. And so it could always just be a little bit of that is passed down and just like in Mm -hmm. there somewhere that like, that's what's coming out in your writing. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I know. I think you're totally right. I mean, like I, again, like I, I, uh, you know, I don't have any particular faith based system that I, uh, you know, I believe in, but like I have, you know, um, there's a um, uh, a woman by the name of Danielle Thomas, and she does she runs a blog website called The Unfit Christian, and like, you know, it's like millennial faith kind of like online like digital faith, and and it's it's the best of both worlds, right? Like it's the very familiar kind of Christianity and gospel black church, you know, grounded kind of faith that's that's comfortable for me, but it's also like very inclusive very queer, very, you know, woman friendly and, you know, anti-misogyny, anti, you know, misogynoir, like, so it's kind of like the perfect blend of both. And like, I don't, again, you know, whatever my belief system may be, I still find that, I still find her work and, and the work of similar, you know, people to be deeply comforting for me in a level that I can't really, you know, explain, because I grew up in it, you know, like, I grew yeah. up in it, like, it's, it's going to comfort me no matter what, like, gospel's music is going, I am going to find it comforting, whether I consciously want to or not, because I, that's some of the first stuff I heard when I was, you know, like, an infant, so, yeah. I relate it's to not, this so hard, it, it kind of is, my sister and I were raised by an Episcopal priest, our mother was wow. a Catholic school teacher, my middle name comes from my godmother, who is a nun, Wow. So, uh, Christian, yeah. Christ, but my parents are so progressive, and the Episcopal Church is incredibly progressive. Yes, mm-hmm. And so, while I was still going to church every Sunday in an acolyte and in the choir and all that stuff, my dad is bringing home Labyrinth and Amityville <laughs> and horror movies and taking That's us awesome. to sell and feeding us fantasy and Lord of the Rings and sci fi and all of this stuff. So, we're getting both of these worlds. And mm-hmm. now, where my sister and I have landed, is Christian mysticism Mm. because Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. church in and of itself Mm -hmm. doesn't feel right. Yes. But what feels right is the mystical, almost supernatural, almost paranormal aspect of it makes more sense to us. And I know that might sound funky, but it, we also are very, very Scott Irish and Viking in our DNA. And mm-hmm. I wonder if that's why we connect so deeply with that. that because mm-hmm. our ancestors were pagans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what feels right to me on a genetic level. Like Christian, I found that blend. My sister found that blend and it, it is, it's comforting. You find where you land and you sit there and you're like, okay, yeah, no, this is all right. I am also agnostic. I'm like, I'm going to put my faith in this thing. I don't know if it's real, but I'm going to lean into it for the sake of coping. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, end of the day, you got to get through it. And sometimes <laughs> that's what does it for you. You know, yeah. sometimes I, I mean, you know, I always have those, you know, they call like the, the dark nights of the soul, but I always remember joy comes in the morning, right? That's a, that's a, that's a, it's a Christian black church. Uh, that's a, that's a cornerstone. That's a, a touchstone. Yeah. Joy comes in the morning. All right. So I, this, it sucks right now, but if I can make it through this, this night joy will come in the morning and that's i hey it works it works for me i maybe it's dumb maybe it's superstitious i don't know but all i know is i gotta i gotta i gotta get through it so that's that's how i do yeah. it so. well i love the way that that kind of relates back to how you use it in horror because it really is it is it's part of the natural human psychological defense Mm -hmm. to lean on spirituality and faith in the face of the unknown and and that adds to the horror of things sometimes because the void if we just allow ourselves to exist in the void and not apply a greater power to it that's almost more terrifying that's more terrifying it's one of the reasons i mean i really love the work of thomas Ligotti, which i haven't mentioned before but i love thomas Ligotti's work and i love conspiracy against the human race because that was one of the first books that like i was like okay i'm not alone i do i feel this cosmic pessimistic you know, I feel that vibe in the world, like that, that's what the world appears like, you know, to me a lot of times. Um, and it was, it was reassuring. I think that's one of the, the things too, that a lot of, um, you know, like, you know, talking about like Erica Rocca and like that transgressive kind of, you know, horror, it's comforting because, you know, it's, it's isolating to see the world in a way that most people kind of refuse to see the world. I, I you know, particularly for like, you know, if you are, you know, of a marginalized or several marginalized groups or what have you, um, your perspective is not always validated, right? And so right. It, it was comforting to me to see writing by people, um, you know, like Toni Morrison and Clive Barker and Poppy Z. Bright and Kaylin R. Kiernan and so many of these oh. other, you know, folks who like, um, who like I, I got, like that made sense to me. Like, you know, that made, that made the world it, it was reassuring and validating to know that other people saw this stuff that was happening, whatever, you know, it may be. Um, and I think that's really important. So do you think that's why uh, the Hellraiser mythos, you connect with that so deeply? Pro- I mean, probably like it's either that or just perversion, but so I'm going <laughs> to <laughs> A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Living my best life on both sides of that spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) I think part of it is that I think a lot of it is the is is because it's that recognition of I I mean again, like the story of of like Hellraiser is really a story, particularly from like Julia's perspective. It's a story of a person who, like, yes, what she's doing is awful and it's horrible, but she's doing it out of love. Like out of a well, love. I mean, you know, but 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 you know, like I mean, well, it goes back to that monster inside of you and how the monster chooses evil sometimes Mm -hmm. 
for mm-hmm. reasons that otherwise could be interpreted from a cognitive empathy space. I don't agree with your behavior, but I can at least recognize why you're behaving in the way you're behaving based on right. the circumstances of your situation. Doesn't make you any less of a monster. Right. But cognitively, I get it. I can just <laughs> <laughs> Get it, Julia. I don't agree. But I get it. You're I get still it. the worst. You're still- <laughs> but I get it. <laughs> you know, if I was married to if I was married to Larry, I might kill some people too. I don't know. Larry sucks. You know? Anyway. Speaking but- of the worst. <laughs>
forever godless. Oh my god. Well, you know, we were we just had this amazing conversation about like <laughs> humanity and the horror of humanity and stuff and didn't even reflect on the fact that the title of your damn book is we are here to hurt each other and that somebody straight up asked you well what's the takeaway from the book oh i'm pretty sure it's the, the it's in the title <laughs> <laughs> i'll put it right out there for everybody because that's what we are <laughs> and your honesty about being like i want to hurt people in the afterward i was yeah. like yes <laughs> Because I am reading this to feel something. So hurt me, please. <laughs> some of us like to hurt others. Some of us like to be hurt. And and and, and I, I know when you say stuff like that, people always take it to like a sexual place. And that's not really what I'm, what I'm no, talking about. Like, no. I'm not that I'm not not talking about that, but that's not exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I'm talking about, you know, I mean, uh, so for example, like I, I, I'm really bad at expressing my anger in ways that is uh, like, appropriate like I really I struggle with that so badly and that's a, largely because while I was growing up and this is very true for a lot of like like particularly like a, among like black families and in the black community I'm not you know I'm not saying that we're all the same but like it's a cultural practice where if you're young you don't get to express your anger you don't yeah. get to be angry so then what happens you grow up having suppressed this anger for so long and then you're an adult and you're allowed to do it now, but you do it in really destructive and, and not great ways. And it's a, it's a, you know, it's a struggle that, that I have, but at the same time, at the same time, as much as I struggle with that, I also kind of enjoy it because it's one of the few times where I feel very powerful. I feel, you know what I mean? Like, I feel yep. like, you know, like I, this sounds terrible. And I probably, I don't know, like I probably like a terrible person, but like I, but it's like, it's true. Like I just, I, it's, it's hard for me to give up that sense of feeling empowered. Right. And so, and that's a lot of a, a big part of like, I think a lot of the stories are about people who have felt disempowered for so long and then they get a sense of power, but like at, you know, like at what cost? Um, and how do you navigate that? Like, how do you balance that? Or like, you know, Rachel, like you were saying, like, you know, you, like, you want to be, you want to feel something, you want to be hurt, but then it's like, you know, where do you draw that line where it's, where it's, where it's too far? Where are you going too far? But, but at the same time, you kind of enjoy it, you know, again, people. That, that's when I go back and I read my goosebumps because yes, I did just buy a whole <laughs> bunch of them from, from half price books, but I'm that's like, awesome. like, you know, I take it to a little too far for myself and I, not, I don't blame the authors. That's me. And then I <laughs> dial it back. <laughs> and then there so, are... You know, it's funny you mentioned the goosebump because I've, I've been thinking about going back and buying some and I really, I had, I used to, so this is another big influence, but I don't often talk about um, Christopher Pike. I read every Christopher Pike book out there. I read the point every line books? single, the point line books um yeah what was that collection he had i don't know the story called like the black walker that was crazy that story was crazy but anyway i read all the christopher pike books and like i really want to go back and buy like like the original cover i know they're super expensive now and i regret like 
getting rid of them but I had all those books um and but that's yeah like so like when I get when I go too far you know I'm trying to I was trying to read I hope I get through it I was trying to read Matthew Stokoe's Cows and, and y'all. I wish you could, y'all could see the look on her face if you're just looking. <laughs> can I tell you that's one of my favorite books here's the thing I love I love that book, but I'm, I'm struggling trying to finish it, but it, I, I, I don't blame you because the first half of that book, I felt, I was like, I relate to this character and I don't know what that says about me as a person. Right. That's alarming. I related to that character. I relate to the protagonist. You, you feel such, you feel such empathy for him. And yet you watch him do these things. And, and uh, but you can again the cognitive empathy kicks mm-hmm. in and you're like based on everything else that I've seen you going did, on yeah. and what I'm also picking up from your your mental health and yes. how it is right now <laughs> yeah I get why I'm seeing what I'm seeing mm-hmm. and oh baby like, <laughs> you you need a, a real mommy. You need like, a real mom. Yeah. Like, Not the like talking the cow. <laughs> and then just I like think- the horror, the horror that he presents from other humans yes. in their relationship yeah. with the animals. There's allegory in there too. But yes, absolutely. I, mm. But that book is so good. I haven't finished oh, it's it yet, brutal. but that book is it's so good. It's so brutal. And it's so like un like just unflinching and it's and it's depiction of like uh, again like of just like human suffering like people you know I, I think that's the thing for me it's just like people are suffering and and they and they don't know you know even I mean like even like one thing that I felt really like I, I it, well, it, it almost alarmed me was uh the, the the main character in in cows like I was like of all the stuff that's also going on with this person I also was like this person I mean, not to diagnose them, but I'm like, I felt like a lot of ADHD vibes because when you're on like that spectrum and you're just like trying to figure out ways to get out of a terrible situation and you just can't, like your brain has no idea how to, how to get out of that situation. But to somebody else who's looking in on you, they're like, well, why can't you just, everybody else does it. Why can't you do it? And I just, right? and I, I just thought that, I thought that was so brilliant. I thought that was just it's it's, mm, the, that hit it's, me my heart. it's the dichotomy between what what's wrong with you versus mm. what happened to you yes and the the effect that that actually has on people I think this is actually a really great example of something that Rachel was talking about earlier in how we read horror yes. because there are people yeah. who will hear us talk about cows and they'll hear us having this conversation and be like what the fuck are you like, even talking about where did you even get all that because mm-hmm, for yeah. them and their brains and who they are and how they've been wired where they've come from mm-hmm. what they see is the animal cruelty the ridiculous the surrealism yeah. the abuse like all of that whereas there are different scent mm-hmm. of brains out there who look at yes. that Matt Stocko could listen to us talking about this and be like oh okay oh uh, right yeah who, who knows yeah. That's even what he was going uh, for no, but we find therapy because mm-hmm. to us it is there yeah you when you read horror on that deeper level you realize just how uh 
not absurd it is sometimes yeah I mean like I know and like I'm not a big I I don't want to say like I'm I'm not I don't want to say I'm not a fan of extreme horror because like I am but I know a lot of people feel like that genre is just full of ridiculousness and absurdity and it's you know not serious and and to be fair like for some people that that is true like that's the intent which is perfectly fine sometimes it's fine um exactly but for some, but a lot of that stuff, like I find that, like I just, I, uh, not too many months ago, I finished, um, oh God, uh, Gone to See the River Man. Um, oh. Triana? Oh, yes. well, can we talk about modern transgr- transgressive fiction? I mean, I didn't expect that. I, I didn't expect it. But at the same time, like when you read it, like, you know, it's coming, but oh, oh, that, that book messed me up. I was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised at how that that book is amazing. That book is so good. Oh, yeah, I have to read more Triana, but I think that's one of those books where people, you know, you think you know what's happening, you think you know what this book's about. Oh, it's extreme horror or whatever. But like, whew, that was a good. One. That was a yeah. good. One. That book made me. Like, I'm I'm tired just thinking about it. I, I'm pretty sure after I read it, I had to go take a nap because I was just like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> If you don't have and the devil cried in your TBR, I, I will I will put it there. Woo! Oh, I will put it there. Yeah. And I also boy. want to read um what's Body. the Wolfie? Left that's I know it's oh! the, the Wolfie left, left to you. Left, left to you. Left I want to read that. That sounds yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I oh. see Rachel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you go back it. and listen to this one, she Rachel talks about this one in the intro. Okay. Okay. It is one of my my favorites up there with with you for the year. <laughs> but yeah, it's a that's an emotional one too. That like I had to nap after that one. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of them, that's that's like a different rating scale. Like I needed to take a nap after reading this book. Like. <laughs> yes, those are the ones that I've classified as filthy heart murder. Yes, that that's is yeah, just be heart murder. Filthy yeah. heart murder. How very <laughs> dare! Oh my god! Well, yeah, it's a heart murder. You know yeah. what, Paula? We just gave you a lot of smart people questions. <laughs> so now it's time for the dumb shit. <laughs> Love dumb now, shit. It's actually not all dumb shit. It's some like relatively smart people's stuff mixed in with some dumb shit i'm really the one who's gonna bring the dumb shit i'm gonna let rachel (laughs) stay smart rachel hit her with the first of the season two rapid fire fours oh my goodness um all right so if someone were to write a memoir about you what would it be called oh my um Probably just why. <laughs> why? Why? That yeah. Why, why? the Paula D. Ash story? That yeah. Why? 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 Question mark or why? Period. Hmm. <laughs> there is a different vibe there. There is a different choices. vibe. Oh God! I I'm you know what I'm gonna period period. <laughs> Yeah, because why? Why? <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> yeah, that's that is that's the 
Paula D. Action. That's my way. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I would read that book. <laughs> so if I sat you down and I put an explosive collar on your neck, Battle Royale style, and I told you you had 30 minutes to write a book for me and Christina's kids and Rue, or the collar would explode and your head would blow up. What would that children's book be called? And what would it be about? <laughs> like my actual literal nightmare is somebody asking me to write children's fiction. Like I'm not even kidding. That's my, my actual nightmare because I'm like, I, I can't tell a story without something horrible happening. So um, <laughs> it will probably be about like ghosts um like nice ghosts that's nice ghosts that's it'll be about some nice ghosts who do nice things and what would it be called nice kids nice ghosts do nice Nice ghosts for nice Uh. kids (laughs) (laughs) you know that leaves the door open for like naughty ghosts for naughty kids for naughty kids there you now, now see now i got a series going boom thanks Rachel. <laughs> you Next know what now. a nice ghost for nice do nice things for nice kids is all well and good but quite honestly in my family we would pick up naughty ghosts to naughty, naughty ghosts things for naughty, to naughty yeah. kids first yeah. Sarah, because my, i feel like i can use that as an, a teaching tool sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love to use trauma as a as an educational tool for my children <laughs> that, that was the 80s come on that's when... girl i grew up in the satanic panic too yeah when yeah. i was eight years old the exorcist three came out and you know what i thought i thought i was possessed by the devil <laughs> thank you so okay so here's a you real know. story I okay around that same time I fell off of a swing backwards and had a concussion um that probably went undiagnosed and around that same time I started having auditory hallucinations that eventually went away but it was probably because of a mild concussion brain injury so that injury happened to me and then the exorcist three came out and all of the the like commercials and like the media Mm -hmm. attention it was getting because I was having I had this injury I straight up thought I was possessed by the devil (laughs) you're welcome there there's a little of my childhood trauma for (laughs) y'all wait till I tell you guys the cockroach story at some oh my god Terrifying. I, the title alone is uh yikes but yikes. yeah yeah so one of the things when I was growing up my mom told I don't know why she did this I guess she thought like I don't know what but my mom told me like scene by scene my mom told me the complete um plot to the exorcist but she also told me the complete plot to the entity. Do you know that that movie? The, the one where it sexually assaults the female protagonist. Yes. Why would you tell a child that? What? So because trauma is a fantastic educational. Very, 
I was a very kid. I, so we and we 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 now all know why because I was fucking terrified. This um, is why you don't interact with spirits in your home, right? Paula. <laughs> They're gonna come. They will touch. They'll touch your special places. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you tell a child that? Anyway, we're 1980s. It was a strange time. It oh was my God, was it? Very it was oh, very, very strange. It was a messed up time. And it's so funny, like with all the nostalgia for the 80s, you know, with like Stranger Things and stuff like that, which is cool. I love Stranger Things. Like that's that's my show. But like, it's just so like, it was, <laughs> it was not like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like that's the, the, the chipper upbeat wholesome version version of the 80s that's not the version of the 80s i grew up in for sure oh my god no way man <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. Ooh, rachel rachel hit her with number three before the 80s consume us god. All right. <laughs> which of your which of your characters is your least favorite and why goodness probably the father from bereft Ah, yeah, I hate that motherfucker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> your kid is in the room. I'm so sorry, Mary. Oh my god, he's no. I'm. A, he can't hear shit. I mean, he just heard me say shit, but it's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're good moms. <laughs> we're good moms. Um, but yeah, the father from I just laughed so hard and- I peed myself a little. Bit. Sorry, I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> the father from oh, the rest <laughs> I'm sorry I'm yeah. sorry no you're fine you're fine that's amazing that's I that's amazing and it's been recorded forever oh, oh man this has been a special day y'all oh yay oh yeah day and a special time <laughs> I don't know how to recover from that. Um, you used to have one more question. I know. I think, right? And it's the best one yet. I do want to add one thing, though. The 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 father from Bereft is based on a real person. Not a real person oh, that no. I know personally. But it is that, that story, uh, I know earlier, one of y'all asked about a story that kind of like flipped that switch. And, I, and there was, you know, the Dahmer and the Likens case. And there's also a story of an Austrian businessman by the name of Joseph Fritzl. Um, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking in about? In his basement yeah. bunker and he put his daughter down there. And raped her day after day after day and gave birth to eight kids, I believe. Yes. yes. Oh God! That's that, when I when I learned about that, that story broke me, and I and that's the reason why I wrote bereft because I I could not, I couldn't handle like just hearing about it. Like it it really that story messed me up knowing that that really happened to somebody, and and so that is where bereft came from. Isn't it mind boggling? I can't even imagine. 
Like you hear stories like that and it mm-hmm. seems surreal. And there are so many times Somebody's where I quiet. catch myself reading books and I'm like, oh, well, there's psychological safety net there because that could never happen. And then you right, but- hear a story from real life about like Joseph Fritzl and you're like, yes. oh, wait, wait a minute. Like this should happen. And the thing that, that like, I think the the mom, like his wife, like she still lived in the house and she said she never knew. And I'm like, how do you keep, oh, how is that possible? But it, I mean, I have, yeah. yeah. We have amazing defense mechanisms. <laughs> yes, yes, right, right. we sure do. Yep. Yep. Speaking of that, <sighs> if you suddenly came across an angry Michael Myers in the wilderness, which trauma response would you default <laughs> to? Fight, <laughs> flight, freeze. I'm going to add an extra one or fawn. Do you think fawn would work for Michael Myers? That's it. You know, I honestly, okay. So initially I would go through all of them. Like, let's be, let's be real. I would cycle through all of them. Um, cause I would do, cause flight would be first. I would try to run, uh, you know, I would run my black ass away because, uh, <laughs> because we don't mess, so we don't, we don't, we don't mess with Michael Myers. Um, you know, we don't mess with Michael Myers. In my community. And She's no, like, first um, of all, I wouldn't be in the wilderness. I wouldn't be. um yeah I would run I would run first I don't think I would do fight because I mean Michael Myers is pretty unstoppable you know he has the devil's eyes he's the shape well I mean if you're running I feel like it's probably a good choice anyways yeah Benetti was good the same way he was like this "This isn't even a good question (laughs) the guy drive away yeah he literally takes like three steps a minute <laughs> like he always shows up right where you like like you, right. you know like you can drive however many however long away but then you get there and he's he's fucking standing outside in the parking lot so i, he just I don't materializes. know he's just, right, he just materializes somewhere out of thin air so i don't know and fuck michael myers i don't know <laughs> I kind of hate. <laughs> I both I, love yeah. him and hate him. Yeah, I'm like, why won't you just die? Just die. Oh, like, what? Boy, what more? Are you like, you have to be tired. Like, that's the other thing too. Like, yeah, right? exhausted. I can't imagine how tired Michael Myers is. Like, he's always just walking around, chasing <sighs> people, stabbing people with harpoons and stuff. Like, just, I don't know, man. Just take a break. Self-care. Self-care, yeah. Mike. Go get some Godiva chocolate. Sit down. <laughs> have a bubble bath. <laughs> <laughs> Not you, Michael Myers. <laughs> that sounds good. But yeah, yeah. I'm the bubble bath. Absolutely. Sign me up. Oh, right, Paula. Thank you so much for doing this with us today. Um please 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 tell us that you have more stuff coming soon because rachel and i will die if you don't is there anything you can email me (laughs) (laughs) i need i need my fricks um i so i okay so this is um so i'm working on on something i think i've mentioned it before online so me myself judith sonnet 
Aldrich. Yes. Yes. I know. I know. Um. (laughs) I love Judith. Oh, Oh, she's so good. She's so good. She's just, she's so good. So me, Judith Sonnet, Christy Aldridge. um, Christy also makes book covers that are incredible. She's an incredible writer. Um, And so we are all doing a collection of three novellas called Women Are From Hell. And um, so it's each individually, we're each working on our own novella. And that's supposed to come out sometime in November, I believe, late November. And I'm still working on mine because I am the slowest writer um, in the world. I'm just very slow about it. And I wish that I could be, I could write faster. And I just, I can't, I don't know why, but I just, I haven't accepted that part about myself. So that is, is coming. Um, I have a few short stories out that have on sub to different places. And so if they get in, I'll let you know. Um, yeah, um, but, but yeah, um, and I have, I have a lot of stuff like in the works. Um, uh, it's just a matter of sitting down and writing it. So <laughs> that's always the, that's always the difficult part. Um, but yeah, once those ERCs are, are available for, for those sorts of things, I will, I will, you know, I will definitely send them y'all's way. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of, that's some, some of the stuff I have. I have some other, some other, stuff that could be in the that's very likely in the in the you know in the future in some bigger kind of venues but we're you know it's still in the planning stages so you know just I'm I I am I am I am uh uh it's 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 hopefully gonna happen so yeah Yeah. (laughs) if people would like to reach out to you and touch base with you where's the best place online for them to do that if the best place online for them to do that is sadly Twitter, um, because Twitter is, you know, it's Twitter, but um, Twitter, so it's just at Paula D. Ash um, is where you can reach me. I'm, I'm pretty approachable and friendly, I think, um, and I, I need to have a website, and I just don't because I'm lazy, but Twitter's fine. Twitter works. Honestly, I feel like between social media, Goodreads, and Amazon, having a standalone website it's not as valuable as it used to you know, be it just seems like, like it's nice yeah but the stand with the, like they what is that thing called like card or whatever where you can just like it's basically a website with just your links on it like i i don't know like oh I yeah link tree yeah yeah link tree like stuff like that like i i don't know like i just like i tried to make a website and it made me so frustrated um that i just gave <laughs> up because i was just like i don't like, yeah. I don't care, you know, I don't know. So, but Twitter is good. Twitter works. Excellent. <laughs> so for more information on Paula, please come join all three of us in that Mothers of Mayhem official yeah. Facebook group. Yeah. <clears throat> I did just rejoin the Twitters. Rachel, I don't know if you saw that post, but if you're on the Tweety Tweets, follow me. I suddenly realized how much is actually happening on Twitter and that I probably should go there again. Oh, it's too much of a dumpster fire for me. I just can't. <laughs> I, don't I really don't blame you. I don't blame you at all, Rachel. It's a, it's some of the stuff I'm just like. I don't I try to keep my shit very curated like I try to like just I stay in my lane and I stay there so 
I, that's so how I, I try to approach all social media for the most yes. part. Like, I, just, <laughs> I just want everybody to be happy and to understand that I'm a nice lady who just wants everyone to like her. I'm sorry. And don't be mad at me. Please don't don't hate me. I just am what I am. Sorry. I love all of you. <laughs> on our F on our Facebook group, you can find links to our mom merch store. Yes. We have a merch store. You got merch store? That's awesome. We do. Where you can find like all kinds of weird stuff. And <laughs> We have the ultimate fan community reading soundtrack playlists. So if Ooh, you so like Sorrow, you like Splatterpunk, you like the ghosty stuff. I got playlists up there for everything. Every mood reading vibe, I got playlists for them. Especially the Spotify ones. I Every time yes. I find a new song that I think fits one of the vibes, I automatically add them. So they are updating constantly. And I, they are amazing. Yeah! Uh, <laughs> I was a music major. I like to think that I have a decent taste. I was a music therapist before I became a nurse. <laughs> I did not know that. That's I amazing. Followed, I was such an emo girl, uh, such a sad girl in my late teens and early college years. I followed Tori Amos up and down the East Coast. I have Tori Amos lyrics tattooed on my body. <laughs> that is like how hardcore like life is pain. I you don't even understand how much I love Tori Amos. Oh my god! I know. The, the, the original... We were born to be best friends. <laughs> with each other. The original, the original version of Modern Night Hill. I I couldn't do it because they didn't want to pay for it. But I I had the original kind of opening epigram was was the lyrics to Mother by Tori Amos. That was the. I, know. I, know. I have lyrics from her b-side song mary tattooed on yes. my body yeah i um, she yeah. she was my she was my everything for a while there yeah, yeah. Big thing. Big thing. Uh, yep. um in the community group you can also get exclusive information, content. We have giveaway opportunities all the yep. time, plus so much more. You can always send your questions, comments, pictures of dildos for Christina, <laughs> memes of my arch enemy, Zach Baggins. Fucking hate that guy. To our email address, momextremepodcast at gmail.com. That's m.o.m dot extreme podcast at gmail.com if you are listening rather than watching on the youtubes go to our anchor homepage anchor.fm slash mothers of mayhem podcast i think it's something like that google it you'll find it leave us a voice message you might be surprised you can hear your own voice lead into one of these ridiculous episodes that we do from time to time (laughs) that content is an exclusive bonus only found on pod streaming platforms it was a lot of fun last season finally thank you to miss paula d ash as well as to singer songwriter amigo the devil for allowing me to use his song hungover in jonestown as our theme song could not have found something with a better vibe and until (laughs) next time rachel you get to do the classic outro Until next time, go and raise some hell, children. Make your weird book mommies proud. Woo!
Paul Ash, I love you so much. I wish we were neighbors. <laughs> I would be at your house every day. You would be like, girl, get the fuck out my home. Go home. You have a family. <laughs> Bye. Life is a joke. Death is the punchline. Life is a joke. Death is the punchline.